Hi, I'm Hope. I'm a former journalist and now run my own PR company. Throughout my career, I've spoken to and written about some really interesting people. The problem with newspapers, magazines and even radio is that you only have a certain amount of words to tell someone's story. And that's often not enough. I've started this podcast to delve deeper into the people behind the headlines and to allow them to really tell their stories. Join me as I interview inspirational people with really interesting stories to tell. It's an article for your ears. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Hot Off The Press podcast, the podcast that delves deeper into the people behind the headlines and gives you an article for your ears. Today I'm talking to someone who has, to put it lightly, been through a lot over the last few months and has really channeled his emotions into passion and is doing a lot of good for others. So Chris, I'm going to let you start from the beginning. Um, Tell us where your journey began and and how you came to get where you are now. Okay. Um, Yeah, so really yeah i'd say it started last january uh, in 2020 um when my son's mom murray was first diagnosed as having cervical cancer um obviously that starts with having a big impact on everybody involved and you try not think of the worst case scenario but it's a bit hard not to think about it when when cancer is involved but you soon start getting past that and you start thinking the positives and you start moving, you know, you start planning for when that person is going to be better again and stuff like that. Because obviously like things like me and Marie were together. So um, my son was living with Marie, Marie and staying with me on weekends. So we'd gone from that scenario to living with me full time. Um, and the plan was for him to go back to living with Marie and, you know, get life back to normal. So we, that's what we were thinking about. Once Marie was all back on her feet and, you know, um, that life would go back to some normality, um, but it it wasn't going to be like that because come September um, she was diagnosed as being terminal. Um, so obviously that was another massive kick in the gut. Uh, that really hit home uh, emotionally, um, and uh, and then obviously the emotional trauma that comes with telling your son that he's going to lose his mom and stuff like that it's just not the best of times um but i was trying to uh, straight away i was like, i need to do something positive around this so that's so as some people will know we're doing a bike ride in september um from john O'Groach to land's end um you know there were a couple of charities uh, at Marie's request, she wanted charities that were um, to do with children's mental health rather than anything else. Uh, a lot of people would, would jump to the conclusion that she wanted it to be around cancer. You know, she straight away she her was, her request was children's mental health because of the because of the trouble she'd had getting her daughter support. Um, so yeah, so we went with uh, Seed. Uh, eating disorder support services and Christmas for Cams to support them. So we're in the process of, you know, put, you know, we've got a team together. We've still quite a bit of planning to do, getting ready for September. Um, so we've got that on the go, uh, raising money for that, um, training for that. Uh, and then 
so in January, uh, she, uh, uh, January 23rd, Marie passed away. Uh, again, obviously that has enough, even though you know it's coming. Um, and, and, I've said, and I've said before, you, you are actually wishing for it to happen because you can see, you can see the pain, you can see that the turmoil that person's going through. Um, you can literally watch them waste away to nothing. Um, and um, just going through that and seeing my son having to go through that as well, watching his mom. Um, yeah, it was very, very traumatic um, and it's been very emotional, obviously. And again, it, since then, I've just wanted to, to take some of that pain and that emotional trauma, so to speak, and just try and channel it into something positive. Um, and my driving force has been looking up my son because as a parent, you know, again, I've said many times, you know, as a parent, all you ever want to do is make the world right for your son. Um, that's all you ever want to do. All your child, so to say, it's just anybody, any parent out there with your child will, will agree. They just want to make the world right. Whether it's they fall over and hurt their knee and you want to make them feel better and make them laugh or, you know, whatever. Just You just want to make them happy and make the world right. But the reality is you can't make this right. You just can't. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say is ever going to make losing a parent right for a child. You can support them. You can be the emotional support, the shoulder to cry on. You can you can work with them to open up, but you still can't take that pain away. You can't do it. Um, so I just wanted to start doing something that maybe meant other children weren't going through what Lucy's going through uh, due to cervical cancer. Um, so that's where the smear campaign sort of things come through. Uh, it, it was just going to be me putting some posts out there just to say, yeah, ladies, I'm not telling you what to do. And, you know, it was just about saying to ladies, this is reality. This is my son. This is the pain he's going through. This is my grief. This is what it looks like. This is what happens when cervical cancer wins. You know, this is the reality of it. So yes, I can understand that like things like smear test isn't the favorite thing, the most favorable thing for women to go through and uh, make feelings of embarrassment, feelings of discomfort, but you know, that, that short period of embarrassment, that short period of, of um, discomfort is surely worth putting up with to say risking the absolute pain that comes when when cervical cancer strikes. Um, so that's all I was trying to do. Um, but people have just jumped on it with me and pushed it along. Um, and it's gaining, it's just gained momentum. Um, and mainly just through women messaging me saying it's need, this is needed, more more is needed, more information is needed, more awareness is needed. And it's just, just, just quick, well, uh, quite quickly, because I know we're, you know, we're coming to the end of the end of the sixth week. Um, and this, you know, there's so much happening in that short period. So it's just now just keep pushing it forward. Um, we're just now waiting for uh, the charity registration to come through and we can then really push with the funding and start 
um, growing the charity side of things as well, and not just not just not just be um, an awareness campaign, but be a charity that can support those impacted by cervical cancer. Um, so the, so that's where we're at now. We, so we're still pushing the narrative about one, you know, we, the fact that 5.6 million women don't go for a smear test. Uh, that figure comes from the report saying one in three, one in three women don't have a smear. Um, so if you take the eligibility age, that's of over 17 million women who are eligible for a smear test. So if you take the one in three, it works out about, about 5.6 million women not having a smear test. Um, and that, to me, again, as a parent, looking at my son, what he's going through, I just think that's a lot of kids who could be impacted by them, their mum not going through a, a smear test. Um, and it's just not worth it. It's just, just so, just, so yeah, we're going to keep pushing the narrative on that sort of thing, just, you know, promoting going through a smear test. But we also want to do a bit more on the campaigning side of things, looking at the eligibility age, you know, of, of smear tests. So at the minute it's 25, it starts at 25, but I keep getting reports and newspaper articles of women under 25 who have been impacted by cervical cancer and they've had to, they were having to fight just to be heard and having to fight to get a smear test under the age of 25. Um, and, you know, Personally, I think that's wrong. And the message I'm getting from every single, literally every single woman I speak to says they want it lower. They want it lower. They want, you know, it needs to be, most women I speak to, speak to think it should be 18. Um, it should start at 18, but, you know, but at least needs, the conversation at least needs to be opened up about it because the fact is women under 25 do get cervical cancer. Women under 25 do have, uh, issues with HPV infections. They do have precancer cells that need to be looked at. So just, so just, just, just to dismiss somebody because of their age is having an impact. Um, so the, I put, put a post out on my, on my social medias, uh, a news report that's sent to me. Uh, 23, a 23 year old woman literally had to fight to try and get a smear test got refused 15 times and then died of cervical cancer. How, you know, how is that even happening? Why, you know, so, so that, so it gets me ang angry on that sort of things. Doctors not listening because the, one of the reasons Marie's not here is because her doctors didn't listen to her. And that's, um, so it's obviously quite an emotive thing for me. It's, you know, it's got, a strong subject for me that you know, just to say to doctors, you don't, you've got to start listening to women. You've got to start, you know, we need to get to a point. If a woman requests a smear test, just give it to them. What, why are we just refusing to give a woman a smear test? If they've got concerns, give them the smear test. What, what I just, I'm, I struggle to understand the thinking of why a doctor will outright refuse a woman who has concerns about their own health. It's it's wrong and something needs to be done about it. Um, so yeah. Um, and then regarding the, chari the charity, uh, we're looking at creating a fund that will support women, uh, women who have been on long-term sick uh, due to cervical cancer. So it's so basically like a hardship fund. So, you know, they, you know, 
battle with cancer can be months, even years. Um, by the end of it, you know, it could have been on sick pay for, for God knows how long. Um, and they could do with a little bit of a help just to pay the odd bill or something like that. So we'd like to be, at, be able to say, come to us and we'll give you that that bit of financial support. Um, and also, if a family's struggling to pay funeral costs, we we, we want to be in a position where we can say to them, yeah, we're not here to offer the emotional support because there's a lot of charities out there that do the emotional support and they do it well, but there's very little help around the financial support. And generally when there's cancer involved, the two, the two go hand in hand. There's a financial impact and there's a, the, and the emotional impact. So, yeah, so we want to offer the financial support on that. Um, and then these Marie's wish, which is going to be part of the charity to give women that chance to have that final wish come true. Um, so that's, well, that's all about pushing it and getting the funding, getting the money in place. Because obviously, you know, charities only works if there's money, if the money's in the bank to, to offer that support. Um, so, yeah, and I've waffled on enough now. <laughs> Wow, it's just impressive that you've gone from having something that's just a few Facebook and, and LinkedIn posts to now having all of these things in the pipeline that you're going to be doing to help other people. It's just really, it's inspirational, really, because, you know, you, you could have just sat back and, and not done anything, but you've done the complete opposite and, and you're helping others now because of it. So how have you found the strength to do this? Because I can imagine just you know, just sometimes getting up in the morning can probably be a challenge, never mind physically fighting for justice for other people and for Marie. Yeah, it's um, obviously, you know, we're only, well, we're in the beginning of April, so it's only just over two months since she passed. So it's, it's still very raw, um, but I can't, I can't look at my son and not do anything. Um, it, he's the driving force. He's the reason why this is happening. Um, if he weren't, if, if it weren't for him, I, I might not be in the position where, you know, pushing it. Um, but say, it's just a fact. I can't do it for him. I can't, I just can't physically take that pain away. I can't stop it. Now it's happened. There's nothing you can do. Um, so, that's the driving force. Yeah, some days I'm, you know, still, I can be uh, be an emotional mess from time to time uh, is the reality. Uh, you know, it's, it, grief is the worst emotion I've ever experienced in my life, in all honesty. Um, it hits you in waves. Uh, you can be great for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, you could be feeling great all week and then all of a sudden, bump the reality of what's happening hits you and it can just turn you into a mess um but then so you just it's just a case of accepting the bad days you know being realistic that they are going to happen you know and allowing them to happen um and then then just pushing forward on the on the good days basically just using those good days to keep the keep the momentum going and keep putting keep pushing forward um but and also the support i'm getting is being blinking amazing to be fair um so it shows it needs to be done um 
we, I was really um, aware that I'm a man talking about cervical cancer. Um, and I was really cautious about my approach in speaking about it because I don't want to come across as the man telling a woman what to do. But what I'm getting back from women is they really appreciate the fact it's coming from a male perspective, it's coming from a male voice. Um, so that's been great as well. You know, the support. Um, 99% of what feedback I get is is just pure positive. Obviously, you're in the world of social media, um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm on all platforms trying to push it. So you have to put up with a percentage of negativity because that is the world we live in today. It doesn't matter what you do, someone's going to find fault or try and, you know, create an, an issue that's not even there. Um, so you just learn to ignore them. Uh, but say, so 99% of everything, all the feedback, it's just, just positive and people just telling me to keep going and keep going, keep pushing forward, you know, and so we, as well as, you know, we've got, so it's only six weeks, we're coming to the end of six weeks and, you know, we've got rugby league, all stars game in August going ahead. Um, that's been in, done in aid of the smear campaign. Um, that was partly for, due to the contact of, uh, our, our one of our ambassadors, Lauren Hunt. Um, she's a rugby player, so she she's got the contacts there. So she so we've got this game in in, in August. Um, via cha charity, the charity itself is uh, life life for a kid. So they do a lot lot of uh, obviously it's in the total. They do a lot of work around supporting children in in different you know ways of you know they've come back from different backgrounds i believe it's not not children who maybe have suffered some sort of abuse to children who've got disabilities and that they're just they're just an all-round support network for for children in different situations so they do amazing work themselves but they also do this rugby game uh, part of this this rugby tournament um and then and then part of that they do a a male v ladies all-stars game um, and then that game itself is, is in aid of the smear campaign. Um, and then we've got Cusford Rugby, Rugby Union Football Club. They're performing, they're forming the ladies team for the new season and we're going to be their charity for that. Um, and then obviously also we've got a couple of famous people in our t-shirts as well, you know, which, uh, you know, got uh, Captain Toysley off, you know, uh, Coronation Street and Strictly Fame, amongst other things she's done. Um, and then um, Sally Gunner put a post out there in one of our t-shirts as well. Um, and uh, a lady called Naomi Stead, she's got quite a strong following on on Instagram uh, as well. She's got like over 100,000 followers. She's going to put a few posts out on our behalf and that. So people are getting behind it. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's Lots of support. Yeah, and as, as, as well, you know, I've been invited on, to, well, me and Lewis have been invited on to the Steph McGovern's um, lunchtime Channel 4 show as well. So that's just a bit mad for me. Um, I've never never even met a famous person in my life until I started doing this. And now I've got famous people phone, in my phone book and I've got 
TV producers in my phone book. Um, it's just, yeah, so that sort of thing. It's just, uh, it's just a bit nuts for me to, uh, to, to have people like that, on, you know, who I can contact. Um, so how can anyone out there listening to this, how can they support you, um, whether famous or not? <laughs> you yeah, you don't need to be uh, of any status at all. I appreciate all the support I'm getting off everybody, um, you know, especially uh, my connections on, on LinkedIn, who have been amazing. Um, but yeah, so we're on, so as I said, we're on, we're on all the, on, on, on pretty much all, all the socials, so Facebook and Instagram are the main, uh, main ones uh, where we've got the biggest support coming from and we're on Twitter. Uh, you just search the smear campaign, we'll, we'll come up. Um, and then there's the link tree on each of them to put you, to, that can connect you to everything else we do. So we've got uh, the GoFundMe page that we're, we set up at the moment to uh, for, for donations. And then we've got the, um, the merchandise page that's just selling t-shirts and a bag and there's going to be hoodies on there soon and we'll just so people so you know people have been buying a t-shirt and putting a post out wearing that one of our t-shirts so yeah it helps raise it helps raise uh money going towards the charity but people doing that also obviously spreads that message out there as well so it's, it's big on the big on the awareness side of things just you know wearing one of our t-shirts is you know it just so it really helps with that um, so that's it really at the moment. We say we're just we're at the point where we're we're sort of in a, in a grey area um, because we're waiting for that registration number to come through. So we're slightly limited to what we can do uh, regarding fundraising and support. Um, but once we've got that charity number in place, uh, then we'll, then we're going to be pushing the fund fundraising side of things and then asking people if they you know to to start helping us raise that. Do, do fundraising projects or, you know, get, get involved in a run, bike ride, whatever, anything, just anything that's going to help support because, uh, the, the, you know, the money is going to be used to support people. Um, and as, as well, which I forgot to mention, what we want to do, part of the charity, hopefully at some point, is give women an alternative place to go to, to have a smear test. So we want to try and work with, you know, maybe a private healthcare company or something. Just, so if a woman's gone for whatever reason, is getting refused, whether that, you know, whether that's been they're under twenty-five or they're in between the three-year gap and the doctors are saying you're not due one yet, we're not giving you one because I know that happens. Um, if they if they've got real concerns and they and they really feel they need to have this have a smear test done, I, I want to get to a point where we can offer them that service. Not directly through the charity, but through a partnership, and you know, so it may involve us as the charity paying for them to go, and that's so obviously the funds will be needed for that. Um, but just so that we can, if a woman comes to us and has a smear test through what we've organised, and it comes back as there's an issue, we want to go to the doctors and say, why didn't you listen to this woman? What 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 was the biggest? What was your big issue with not giving this woman a smear At the minute, doctors aren't going to listen because they they, they fall back on this uh, attitude of you know it's very rare in under twenty five to get cervical cancer. Yeah, it's rare, but it happens. So why aren't we listening? Um, and we want so we just want to say it's just about saying to women 
we've got this we're going to set this charity up and yes i know i'm a bloke setting it up um but we want it <laughs> we want it to be a, a voice you know there's so many people who i'm learning as i go and I'm, I'm learning so much from the conversations I had with women. I didn't even know what HPV was before I started doing this. And I've looked into that and, you know, and, and things like, um, you know, that, yeah, 99% of the time, um, if, if cancer is involved, cervical cancer is involved, it's because of a HPV infection, a HPV infection. But there are cases where women get cervical cancer and the HPV isn't present. So, but they don't test cells unless the HPV level is there, the infection's there. So yes, it's very rare that a woman would um, be diagnosed with cancer without having, a, but the fact, without having a HPV infection. But the fact is, there are women out there who have cervical cancer who had cervical cancer who didn't have a, a HPV reading and whether that's through a false reading or other, other reasons whatever we feel that the cells need to be tested every smear test and that's another feedback I'm getting from women they want they want that they want that safety gap they want to know that everything's been done to make sure that they're they're fine you know they're fine um, and also also if you look around the world it's all different, you know. There's a comment today. Uh, I was tagged a post today, where in places like Japan, they test the women every year. We're, we're every three years, and then when you get to fifty, so it's every five years. Um, so what? What? the difference? Why is one country doing it that way? And we're doing it a different way. Uh, Australia will test their women till they're seventy-four. We stop at sixty-four. Why? What's so? I'm, I'm learning as I go. Uh, I haven't got all the answers, but all I can say is I'm not going to stop. It's not going to, you know, the concerns are viable of the women that I've been speaking to and and a lot of time they're not being listened to. So we're just going to keep pushing. Amazing. And I think that it is amazing that it's coming from a man as well, because men don't have to care about that sort of thing, but it's great to see someone that does. So. Yeah, well, that's another point I've been making on, especially on through like LinkedIn and stuff like on, on my post is just saying to go to guys out there, don't think this is just a female issue because it's far from it. It's your mom, it's your sister, it's your wife, it's your girlfriend, it's your daughter. They're the people who, who are your loved ones and they're the ones who are going to get the cervical cancer. And if worst case scenario, if that fatal day ever happened, who do you think is left? A lot of the time, picking up the pieces, especially when his kids involved. Um, you know, it's you as the man, as the father, as the husband. You know, you're the one left picking up the pieces. You're the one dealing with your own grief, but not only your own grief. You're having to support your children for theirs. So to to have this naive, I was saying, you know, you know. It, um, to have the naive attitude that you don't need to think about it. It's not something you need to worry about because it's a female issue. No, it's wrong. It's a wrong attitude to have. And, and again, it's not about saying to men, go and tell your woman what to do. It's, it's about saying to men, ask a question. Just say to, you, say to your, your wife or your girlfriend, when's your next, when's your next meal test? You know, are you due any time soon? Because they might have forgot. 
you know, the amount of comments I've had from from women on post saying, you know what, I've just saw your post and I'm about a year out of date or, you know, I ain't been for, you know. So, you know, we, <laughs> I know generally we've been a, in a family family environment, the, the woman's the one who's organised and cared, but generally she's organised, caring about everybody else and she forget, forgets about herself. Um, so there's nothing wrong with asking the question. It's like you can't force a woman to do what, you know, and I'm not trying to do that at all. You know, it's your body. Do what you like. It's, you know, it's completely your decision. But, and, you know, I, I think we just need to be aware of what really does happen when, you know, when cervical cancer takes over. Um, and, you know, and the reality is bloody awful. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, so we are, you know, it's not just about... Saying, you know, pointing the finger at women, you, you know, go and get some ear If you are saying to, saying to men, you know, be supportive. There's women out there who really just do not like going. They just hate the thought of going. So as men, can we offer that support to hold the hand and, you know, if they want it, be there, go with them. And they might tell you to go away, don't be so silly. But um, they might, but they might also really appreciate the offer that, you know, you thought about it and you're willing to go and it might encourage them to go and say, because we need to get that 1.3 of, you know, disappeared. I mean, you know, we want to get, uh, want every woman who's eligible going for a smear test. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. I'm, I'm hoping that just someone here in this, podcast today is is going to see as a sign to to go and do something and um, where can we find you on social media what's your social media name uh, yes so different slightly different on different platforms because because it's called the smear campaign uh, it's it's normally got uh, a negative derogatory to it and having a smear campaign is normally a bad thing so obviously there's a lot of things out there on, in the social media world around so uh, smear campaign which is normally trying to slate someone. Um, so just bear with me while I uh, jog my memory of all of them. Um, so we are on Facebook uh, as, you know, you can find us at The Smear Campaign uh, at The Smear Campaign 2021. Uh, we're on Twitter and that's just at The Smear Camp. Um, and then we're on Instagram, which is just The, the, Smear, Camp, the Smear Campaign. You can find us, uh, no, the dot smear campaign, sorry, on Instagram. Um, and they say on, on each of them, uh, there's a link tree that will give you the link to all the others anyway. So whichever platform you generally use, you'll, you'll find us and then you'll be able to find a route to the others. And they say on, on that link tree, there's the link to the camp to the petition. Um, we're trying to get the, as many signatures as possible on the petition. Obviously, you know, the more signatures, the you know, the more chance we are being heard. Um, so, regarding the petition, it is around getting the eligibility age looked at um, and op opening up the conversation around when a woman requests a smear test, they get listened to. Um, that's you know, that's the big thing for the petition. Um, and then, say so t-shirts, you know, great, you know. People are out there buying a t-shirt, putting them on, and put, putting a post out on on social media. It just it's just one, just keeps that awareness going, keeps the buzz going, keeps the conversation going. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. Fab. 
Great. Thank you so much um, and all the best. And I can't wait to see what happens next when you've got that charity registration as well. Yeah, well, fingers crossed everything goes through. And so we're just going to keep pushing forward. Um, you know, these just things that are out there, what I'm seeing that need changing. Um, and so it's, you know, it's needed. And that's what I'm getting from, say, the conversation there from women. They, they want it. They, they want more, more of a voice around this subject. Yeah. So we're going to keep pushing forward. Fab. It's been lovely chatting to you, Chris. Thank you so much. No, no, thanks for having me on. Very much appreciated. Thank you. If you liked what you heard today, make sure you subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to hear more inspirational stories.